You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Conference Room, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. We're all back together once again as the Colts are looking to bounce back in Week 2 from a disappointing result Week 1. I do encourage you to download, subscribe to our podcast so you can get them delivered to you exactly when they drop. You listen to Mike and Joe break down that week one loss to the Seahawks. I'm unable to come on on Mondays, but nevertheless, I'll probably sprinkle in some tidbits here throughout the uh, throughout this podcast on Tuesday about my thoughts uh, from that game as we look ahead to what's in store. And what's in store will be the Los Angeles Rams uh, had a pretty dynamic performance week one I thought about first impressions guys just uh, before we really get into it I, I was really impressed with what the Rams were able to do uh, w- with the Bears a 34 to 14 or 34 to 13 victory they looked uh, pretty solid My, Matt Stafford looked very much in control in his first game with the Rams out there yeah so much for taking a, a, a week or two to kind of get yep. your feet I tell you they're gonna they're gonna go deep this year they're you know bombs away type of thing and that's what they're looking for is, is stretch the field and we'll get into it later on, but that's the one thing right now that worries me about the Colts is they're giving up too many gashing plays. Yeah, they certainly have weapons, Joe, and they were not afraid to use them right out of the gates. No, and uh, it, it's going to be a conflict this week as my boy, one of my favorite players, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Goes, that's right, from Eastern, Northern, Western, Southern Washington University. <laughs> um, <laughs> goes up against my Indianapolis Colts. So uh, I'll be torn on Sunday, but definitely pulling for the Colts overall. Good old ENWS Washington U. So you, you got to look out for those guys from out there. Uh, we will start with the news first, though, here in this podcast. On Tuesday, the Colts have signed a, a new player there, veteran safety Andrew Sandejo. Or Sandejo. 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 Uh, he is 34 years old in his 12th season in the NFL. He has 75 starts, 124 games, had 14 starts with Cleveland just last year. Very much an experienced guy back there, Mike. And here's where I get to drop my first little tidbit from what I thought from the game last week in relation to this signing. The safeties were not good. And like you, you look last last week, what happened against the Seahawks. There were some areas that, that you thought and you expected. And I still do think the Colts have good players in certain areas, safety, uh, offensive line. But they came out, and some of the things that you thought were strengths were were very much weaknesses against the Seahawks. And here, this is a move to, to try to get some veteran presence back there in the back end. Yeah, going into the game, you're thinking, okay, at least we, we can rely on the defense because it played pretty well to start to finish last year. And the offensive line, while they had you know going in with issues at left tackle, you thought, well, at least they'll be competent. And those two areas weren't. They just weren't. The defense gave up. Six or seven of the gashing plays, third and one, and they let Carson get loose for 33. And then the, the one where Lockett splits the safeties, one where Darius Leonard gets beat on a touchdown and, and Kenny Moore. So it, it, it wasn't what you had hoped. Uh, I hope it gets better this week. I have my doubts. The one thing that it did, the, the biggest criticism I heard from, from outside the building was, well, maybe the defense should just shut up talking about being elite and 40 takeaways. One thing I say in their defense, we asked those questions. Mm-hmm. We, we sort of brought them into that, but they didn't back down. They, they were saying how they're going to be take that next step, and they didn't do it. And, again, we've talked this first month of the season. It could well define what this season is going to be like because you you can play yourself out of things 
in the first month. Joe, how surprised were you to see what happened to the secondary in week one against the Seahawks? I'm sure you guys touched on this last week, but uh, the, 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 me- the message from Chris Ballard immediately bringing in Sendejo, I think is a very clear one that, that week one is not acceptable and is not what we expected from this unit. Yeah, and I think it was highlighted by the 67-yard bomb to Tyler Lockett totally. before the end of the half. It, second and 20, I mean, the Seahawks were really not in a threatening position, and to allow that to happen is just unacceptable out of a professional defense, let alone one that considers itself one of the best in the league. So, um, you know, I thought they held DK Metcalf in check to some extent, except for that one drive where he had the touchdown in the 30-yarder. Um, and obviously they played a lot better in the second half of the game, but the Colts, for some reason, just every year seem to start slow. And I do have confidence that, um, at least the safeties will get it together. And this is, this is a stat I heard from, uh, from Matt Taylor, who's the voice of the Colts, uh, when he was talking this week. Um, he, he was saying this is like a continuation of a problem that the Colts had last year, that in the first half, their defense was ranked 27th in the NFL in defensive efficiency value. And in the second halves, they were ranked fourth in the NFL in defensive efficiency. So, I mean, Chap, if you're looking for year-to-year trends, that's obviously not one that you want to continue from year-to-year. But in week one, you can say nothing else than the Colts still don't uh, don't come out strong in the first halves of games. Yeah, you give them props for making adjustments at at, at halftime. That's great. (laughs) But but when you're down a couple of scores at halftime, what were you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Matt Eberflus talked about changing things up in practice to where you just do things differently. But I, I don't know how you get this thing switched around. This is not like all of a sudden it's an issue. It's been an issue. And it's on the players. It just is. And until they get this fixed, whatever criticism comes their way, all they can do is stand there and take it. Well, and Frank Wright, you know, this Colts team wants to talk about complementary football they want to run the ball, but it's hard to do so when your defense has you down double-digit scores so early in the game. and That's it's the opposite of complimentary football. Yeah, I, and I don't think he'll get away from the running game, say they're down two scores. He'll still, you know, if, if the time allows you, they'll stick with it. But at some point, you just can't keep pounding Taylor and Hines and getting three, four, and occasional nine. That's for this team to work, to do what they want to do. They've got to get, keep games reasonable so they can – you know, dink and dunk in the passing game because an- another big thing from last week was the lack of chunk plays. Mm-hmm. There just weren't. Now, whether that was by design or the fact they couldn't keep, you know, wins from getting pummeled, but for all this to work, you've, you, you've got to keep the game close and you've got to be able to run the football. A couple more moves in the secondary. The Colts waived cornerback Chris Wilcox from the 53-man roster and also released the rookie fifth-round pick safety Sean Davis out of Florida from the practice squad. That, that's that, disappointing for I Davis. I think that's a veteran, Sean Davis. I think it Sean, is? Oh, yo, I think no, the rookie right. has a W. You're right. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I read that. They're both gone now. Yeah, they are. They're both They're gone They're both now. gone now. Right. Yeah. So, so no more Sean Davis. We went from two Sean Davises <laughs> to zero Sean Davises in the building. And if I know these guys with the practice squad, one of them will be back, if not both of them. It's, it's, yeah. it's fluid, as they say. Very likely. The uh, Buffalo Bills elsewhere in the NFL became the NFL's fourth team to require vaccines for fans at home games. Uh, the other three teams, the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Raiders. And uh, unlike some other teams, the Bills actually uh, saying a negative COVID test is not acceptable in place of a vaccine, need to show proof of vaccines. So if you're a Colts fan who is planning to go to that Bills game in uh, November, A, get that coat, B, get that vaccine. So um, November 21st, they're not going to let you inside uh, the stadium without one. So just a note for any of you out there, which Buffalo, a great place to watch a game. I remember going there for week one of the season 
I think it was in 2016 or 15, right around there, whichever game it was. It was a dank and dreary day in Buffalo in uh, in early September. It was one that the Colts offense could not do much of anything uh, out there. But I do remember the stadium being raucous. And I think it was, it was um, what's his name? Uh, Rex Ryan's first game as a head coach. And they were... They were quite quite excited for for football, obviously in Buffalo for week one of the season, as they always are. That's a fun fun place to watch a game. So the only uh, problem is that it's out in the middle of God's nowhere. It is Orchard Park. Orchard Park. It's it's just out in the middle of nowhere. But no no fan base probably has better tailgating than than the Buffalo Bills. Something that was crazy to me, like I, I saw a stat at the beginning of September. It was talking about August jersey sales in the NFL. And the number one jersey sale in the month of August online on NFL.com was Josh Allen. Like, it, it's not a, a quarterback going to a new team. It's not Tom Brady, the, the Super Bowl champion. It's not a rookie like Justin Fields in Chicago that people were pumped up about. It was a guy who's in his, like, third or fourth year as the starter. And I'm sure, yeah, Buffalo's excited about this year, no doubt about it. But, but man, Bill, Bill's Mafia is just different. And that's, like I said, Joe, it's a fun place to be, a fun place to watch a game. I just want to go break a table. Yeah, amen to that. Have some wings from the, uh, the straight from the source. From the Anchor Bar? That's right. Yeah, been, dude. Been there. All, all it is is a hole in a wall. It, but it is. It, but it's Americana. Those are the best wing places, yeah, are the hole I, in the wall. I, I totally agree. It's a fantastic place. Let's get to the Colts injury report from this week. On Wednesday, four players did not practice. Darius Leonard with an ankle injury. Cornerback Xavier Rhodes still out with that calf injury. Quentin Nelson, foot and back. Braden Smith with a foot. So he's a new addition to the injury list this week, uh, one that Frank Reich let us know about earlier in the week. Uh, Smith hurt his foot in, a loss, in the loss to the Seahawks. Uh, on Wednesday, Reich said, we're just in the evaluation process. These foot injuries are a little complicated sometimes. Don't we all know that? And I know if there's any chance Braden can play, he'll play. He's a tough guy. So uh, we're at the point right now, uh, chap, that uh, we, we've already seen that uh, Eric Eric Fisher has been out, but he's working to get back. And from from his chat on Wednesday, he sounds pretty optimistic, I think, that he's going to be ready to go on Sunday. That's just what I read into it. But you bring one tackle back, you lose another tackle. It's uh, it's not exactly adding all that much to you if one of your other bookends is also going to be out this weekend. Yeah, just based on how this has gone, I fully expect Fisher to play, to start and play, and I don't expect Braden Smith to play. So then the question is, do you put Pryor at right tackle or do you put Julian Davenport at right tackle? Uh, and then also Quentin Nelson did not practice again today, foot and back. Uh I don't know whether this is this is going to be an issue for the foreseeable future. Maybe he doesn't practice, but then he plays, and that's not ideal at right. all. You know, regardless of what Alan Iverson says, you practice for a reason. I mean, you know, practice. We're talking practice, but Especially with uh, a new left tackle. Yeah, true, yeah. exactly. And, and you're going against one of the best defenses in the league, and and the best three technique tackle who can simply take over a game. So it's not ideal. We'll see. We'll see how this pans out, offensive line wise. But we talked about the defense and the offensive line being two of the strengths of this team. That's not the case right now because of injury on the offensive line. And we, chap, you were also out of practice today as we take this podcast on Thursday. That was Wednesday's practice report that I just read. But uh, Darius Leonard and Xavier Rhodes, I don't think they were out of practice today either. Right, Darius Leonard was was an illness, mm-hmm. not non COVID. We, we 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 need to put that Knock caveat in there. I don't think Xavier Rhodes plays with a calf. But and Quiddy Pay didn't practice today with a hamstring, I believe it is. He was limited on Wednesday, if I yeah, believe. Yeah, I think so. he'll he'll be all right. It's easy for us to say because right. it's not our hamstring or calf mm-hmm. or foot. But this is just not – this isn't the way – again, being at full strength, this this would have been a tough start. 
Yeah. You know, and and you're not, you know, never mind that, you know, T.Y. Hilton's not going to play for another two or three weeks. So not the best way of doing it. And the problem with the offensive line being, you know, not even close to 100% is it just affects how you run the offense. It just does. All the all the dinking and dunking they had to do last week on those checkdowns or screens, part of that was 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 not having time for Wentz to look downfield. He probably threw two or three balls, what you'd call intermediate. The one, I guess, one deep one, I guess you call deep to Paris Campbell. It's only 24 yards. That right. Back. I mean, so, that's, yeah, that's uh, deep, quote unquote. Yeah. So, so that's got to be fixed. I don't know how you fix that offensively in your game plan when, when you're shuffling your offensive line. Uh, and, and until it gets healthy, this is going to be a week to week issue. Since, since you brought up Paris Campbell, that'll, that'll be my second point about uh, my, my takeaway from last week. Guys, I was stunned how little Paris Campbell was Three involved. Three targets. I was, I was stunned. Because like, you look back to last year and what they did right out of the gates. He was, he was their, their prime target against Jacksonville week one. And then he came out, and they were trying to get the ball to him early in week two against the, against the Vikings until he got injured, and then he was out. Like, if you're, and, and again, if, if your quarterback is under duress... Get the ball to your playmaker immediately. Run a tunnel screen. Get him on a short crossing route. Like do something to get him the ball. Give him the jet sweep for crying out loud. Like it was just baffling. He completely. may refuse to run the jet sweep. He may after what happened last year. You're not wrong. But but Joe, like I, I was baffled to, to to say the least that Paris Campbell had one catch and three targets in that week one. Yeah, the only explanation I can kind of think of is that they're using him more in the T.Y. Hilton role and trying to run off the defense to create more space for guys underneath. But I, I completely agree with you. If Paris Campbell, if he's healthy, as long as there's something we don't know about, is your best run-after-the-catch guy. He just is. Um, and to not use him effectively is kind of confusing. That, that, that's a unique... I, I like that idea that maybe they're trying to use him as in the T.Y. Hilton role because T.Y. obviously has a huge role in this offense. And if you send Ashton Doolin in that role, it's not exactly going to take the same uh, attention by the defense to do that. Now, Ashton's a fast guy, and I think he can get a he can get a good release. He's a... What's it called? He's a, he's a gunner on special teams, so he, he knows how to kind of break through a, a press coverage on, on the line of scrimmage, no doubt about that. But... It is different to, to, to put a guy like Paris Campbell out there. I get it. But at, at the same time, if that's the case, this is a big if, by the way. Yeah, yeah, let's put it there. This is spitballing. Yeah. Like, if you're doing that, you're, you're still taking something away from, I think, what your offense wanted to be. And that's what Paris Campbell's really good at himself. Well, and I think the way to do that is to hit him on a few crossers, make the defense worry about what he can do after the catch and then hit him on a double move when they're coming up to defend Something. it. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I'm not a coach and there's good reason for that, but it's just a little confusing the way he was deployed. And one thing to think about this week is the way the Rams, we were talking to Zach Pascal today about how Jalen Ramsey and the way they use him more now is, is that he's that nickel guy. So that, that would pair him against Paris Campbell a lot mm -hmm. if they put Campbell in the slot. So it's, but but th this is why Frank and those guys get paid the big bucks. You find ways to, 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 to minimize your, your weaknesses, and right now they have weaknesses on offense, but maximize what you've got. What, you know, the lack of protection really kind of can paralyze you if you let it, but you've got to find ways to go about your business because, again, you're not going to do anything scoring 17, 20 points a game. It just doesn't work. 
in today's NFL, and it, it's going to be on Frank and these guys to get this fixed. Let's touch quickly on Eric Fisher, who we've talked a little bit about uh, already. He began practicing in a limited fashion last week. He's been limited so far on Wednesday this week. We'll see the full practice report later from the Colts, whether he's uh, full today. Uh, if he's full today and full tomorrow, then then no doubt we, we can say that he's going to play. Or if he's just limited today and full tomorrow, I'd say that's a really good uh, uh, sign as well. Chap, you said you're pretty sure he's going to play. I've said I'm pretty sure he's going to play. Frank Reich said if he plays, it'll be a big step going from what we uh, thought when he went through last week. And that was uh, his COVID, uh, his stint on the COVID list. So that kind of set him even back a little bit. Uh, couldn't make it out quite for week one. Uh, let's see, on the conditioning side, the technique side, quickness, kind of what he does. Uh, he has to show that this week is what uh, the Colts are looking for from him. But uh, other limited players, like we said, Quiddy Pay was limited, uh, but then he was out on Thursday. Al-Kadeen Muhammad limited on Wednesday with an ankle. Kamoko Ture limited with his groin. He missed week one. Kamoko Ture did. So it'd be uh, nice to see a little bit more uh, uh, get after the quarterback ability in the lineup coming up. The thing with Fisher, and it's really interesting how, how they're doing this, is with Frank. Yesterday, he was very, he, he really tried to tap the brakes on the Eric Fisher train. He just sort of down downplayed it, I, I guess is the right phrase, uh, because we kept pushing, well, what's, what do you need to see? And the previous weeks, he was really saying, boy, this guy's really sort of ahead of the curve and trending and, and all those kind of things. And one thing we have to be careful of is when we see limited participation, we have no idea what that means. Right. It means he didn't participate a hundred percent. He could have missed three plays. So I, I but I, I think he's taken quite a bit of reps. And I just barring him having some setback, I mean he 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 all but said, I'm ready to go, but it's up to the coaches and the docs. And if we've seen one thing, these guys again, they do not push guys back too soon. But at the same time, Frank made it very clear last I think it was last week when we talked to him is the Achilles isn't the issue. The, you know, it's not like, boy, if we, if we put him out there too soon, he's going to you know, re-tear the Achilles. They said you get to a certain point, whatever it was, five or six months, then the Achilles fine. It, it, it's back doing football things. And, again, I think he, he had good work last week. And I, I think, again, he, even if he's limited today when the report comes out or tomorrow, and I think he'll be full one of those days. I really do. I, I think he's probably done more than enough to play and it's not like he's going to be the savior because there's issues elsewhere, but he will be much more reliable, you would imagine, than Julian Davenport was. Well, and could you imagine if both Fisher and Smith didn't play? And well, I, I'm, I'd I'm, rather not. <laughs> I was looking at the names of tackles they've gotten, and it's guys Carter O'Donnell is on the uh, practice squad. There's not a lot of options, and and I know that, and it's easy for for us to all be critical of of Ballard and the Colts for. How do you not have enough depth? Well, I mean, you can only have so many players at certain positions and, and tackle. If people think that every team can have three quality tackles, they're delusional. Mm -hmm. But they, they did take steps in the offseason to, to address tackles. Sam Tevy, who, what was it, an ACL that, he, that he's out with. Yep. Uh, but the argument's going to be, if this thing doesn't work, is that, yes, they addressed it. They addressed it with the wrong people. You know, the, the prior GM was very good at addressing the offensive line issues with the wrong people. So uh, it, it's to have your depth tested at, at tackle, because like you said, if Fisher, I, again, I think Fisher plays, but let's say he's not. So then you've got to have Julian Davenport again, who had just a, not a good game. We can come up with, with adjectives all you want. 
and then a new right tackle, it, it's not even remotely the way you want to go into week two. Speaking of, of depth, and you brought up Carter O'Donnell's name, that kind of jogged my memory. Is it official that that uh, 22-year cold streak, free agent, undrafted free agent roster week one is Correct. over now? Yeah, so that, that's done. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if one of the cornerbacks they had signed would, would fill that nope. role, and I didn't think they did. But, but yeah, the, the streak is now over. The, we, can, we can not write about it anymore year can, after year. They can renew it next year. Exactly. That, that, that's, what, that's what you'll write about. Uh, getting back to the streak. Correct. So, yeah, exactly. So I, I think the, um, the, the Colts injury scenario, Joe, like, is really put under a microscope just because of how, how, uh, how free and clear the Rams appear to be. You put it here. One player did not practice. Sebastian Joseph Day, defensive lineman. One player was limited. A. Sean Robinson. Uh, defensive lineman with a knee. So two teams in very different scenarios when it comes to the health of their squads. Very different scenarios. Uh, those are two significant defensive linemen for the Rams. So and we can talk about in a minute how I think if the Colts are going to win this game, they have to have a good running game in this contest. And it, we'll see if either of those guys suit up for the Rams or not. But, yeah, completely night and day when comparing the two teams' injury issues. Let, let's get into the game then. The Colts host the Rams this weekend, broadcast uh, in uh, locally on Fox 59 if you're in central Indiana. Sunday at 1 o'clock, it's a, a West Coast team coming to the East Coast. Certainly didn't seem to hinder the Seahawks all that much last week, though. Uh, Colts should have a little bit of extra motivation uh, playing in front of Peyton Manning and Edger and James, both receiving their Hall of Fame rings at halftime. Uh, chap, they, they like to, the NFL always likes to stretch out you know, uh, good things so you continue to talk about it uh, throughout the year, not just uh, in the regular season. But uh, it seems like we've been talking about uh, Edge and Peyton, and Edge in particular because he was uh, enshrined in the horror, inducted to the Hall a year and a half ago. Um, but uh, it seems we've been talking about these guys forever, but now they're finally getting their rings. It seems like maybe this is the last thing before they kind of move on, and the, uh, the the attention then goes back, if we're talking Hall of Fame, to to the future, to Reggie Wayne, to other guys, but but for now, this is uh, for Robert Mathis or whatever, but but this is, uh, I guess, kind of the final icing on the cake for these two guys to be able to get their Hall of Fame rings in front of their uh, the hometown crowd. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't split it up and have, like, Edge <laughs> this week and then have Peyton in a month. <laughs> but, no, that's it, it's I tell you, whatever you think about the NFL – it's great at marketing. It just it, it keeps everything out there except for like four weeks in late June and early July. But it, it'll be a great time. And it is, I, I talked to Edge a couple of days ago, and, and he's pretty pumped. He said he's bringing his boys, his three sons, and his boys, his posse, his crew <laughs> with him. Jim Irsay sending the jet down, and they're going to bring 13 guys up. And uh, he'll have a good time. He said, we're going to spend, you know, 30-some hours at Indy, and we'll do it up right. And knowing Edge, I mean, you know, I mean, it's doing it up, right? It'll, it'll, you know, they might not get much sleep between the, the plane landing and taking off again, but it, it just, it, it's just kind of good. This, this will be the last, you know, phase of, of Peyton and Edge because it started here in '98 and '99 mm -hmm. with Edge, and it ends up here with the rings, and and they do it up right, and uh, it's always good to see these guys come back, and it <laughs> the problem is it. Then you, you you try you've always tried to move on from the great years of the two thousands, and wondering why they they can't measure up again, and this will sort of bring it up again. Boy, remember remember when Peyton did this and Edron did that, and these mm -hmm. guys are going to go out to the, against the Rams, and we'll see. Because Edron said now they just have to win. It's you know we'll see, it, but it'll be good to see both these guys back in the building on Sunday. 
And uh, Joe, uh, you always mentioned that uh, Edge is uh, your favorite player uh, probably growing up, and that's uh, the case for, for so many Colts fans, too. If, if it wasn't Peyton, it was Edge. So uh, kind of one last chance. I I'm sure they'll be back for other players who get their names up in the rafters from um, into the Ring of Honor in, in, the, in the coming years. But uh, this is just kind of a, a, another time to get the full spotlight shown on, on these two guys that played such an important role. And so many uh, people who grew up in the, in the 90s and the, two, in the 2000s in particular and uh, grew into uh, such a deep love of these Colts as these two guys on the field this Sunday. Oh, yeah. It just brings back, you know, so many memories. And, you know, I, I'm, in a way, I'm glad I'm not going the game because I'd probably be getting a little emotional at that halftime. Mm -hmm. I remember um, when they uh, put Reggie Wayne up in the, in the rafters there um, in the Ring of Honor. Uh, and the, the crowd was, I was at that game, the crowd was chanting, Reggie, Reggie. And my wife's like, are you crying? I'm like, no, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's just great. And it just makes you appreciate that era so much more. Because, you know, I, as a young kid watching these games, I didn't know what we had. Like, mm -hmm. I knew the Colts were good. But, yeah. you know, coming out of that and being like, man, Peyton Manning and having this group for so long, like, that really was something special. Was it, that, was it either, either his or, or Peyton's? Ring of Honor, they had Chesh Saturday hiked the ball to Peyton and he threw a pass to Reggie. Yeah. I believe it was. So it, it, it just conjures up all those memories of, of great games, great comebacks, and great performances. And that's why you, you, th these guys now need to be held to those standards to strive for that. And hopefully one day they'll get back to that. Hey, what'd you think about uh, Peyton's Monday Night Football uh, performance with Eli? What'd you think? While, while we're on Peyton, let's get into that a little bit. I didn't watch it start to finish okay. because I, cause it, to me, I want to watch the game. Yeah. I, I, and it took away from the game. But it was classic stuff. They were both good. Mm -hmm. I just can't watch three hours of it. <laughs> I, I I had to shut it off pretty quickly because I was trying to work at the same time. Oh, that's it, disaster. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it made it impossible to follow the game and also work. Yeah. At least with the regular announcers, you, you hear first and 10 or yeah. t five seconds on the play clock, you look up and then you get back to work. Yeah. But you know, Peyton and Eli, I wouldn't have gotten anything done. Yeah, for the rest like of my day. this is not a, uh, a side broadcast where you can kind of have it on in the background. Correct. Not at all. Like th these guys, Peyton especially, is going in in depth. Like if you had no idea about about Peyton, and I probably know less, obviously, than you, Chap, or than you, Joe, because I haven't been in Indianapolis as long. I've been here seven years, eight years. So, I mean, I, I'm no, uh, no newbie completely. But, but like, you, you just got, I think you got a better idea of who Peyton is when you, when you saw this game, when he was watching. Because it's not like he was living and dying on every play, but the quarterback play, like when Derek Carr made one or two plays, you could tell that he was like, it was killing him. Be like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing out there, Carr? Like, well, he, he, he was, he was keeping it in. He was doing very well to keep it in. But you can tell on his face, like he's grabbing the football and he's wincing, and he's like, man, what's going on out there? And so that's like that. That told me that. It, I know we've brought up in the past what's next for Peyton Manning after retirement and all that stuff about ownership, coaching. People suggested he'd be a great coach. I think he'd be a horrible coach <laughs> just by watching this. What, and that's what, not disrespect Peyton at why all. Can, yeah, why did you do that? Why can't you do it the way I did exactly. it? Exactly. How do you measure up to him? The, the, one, the one snippet that I thought was just great was where Lamar Jackson rolls to the right and rolls to the right and he throws a touchdown in the corner. And if you listen, when it's developing, you hear Peyton say, throw it away. Throw it away. Yeah. And then he said, I'd have thrown the ball away three times. <laughs> because Lamar Jackson plays a position like Peyton never could. Right. Yeah. It, it was it was a lot of fun. Like I watched a lot of it. I didn't catch the very beginning. 
And from what I understand, that was good because it started off a little bit slow, but then it really got going, I thought. And like I, I tuned in like right when Manning was putting on the the Ravens helmet and was like calling a play. So it was right, right, right. <laughs> and right, and Eli was fit. good. Exactly. Eli and was Eli really was good. very good. Yeah, I thought More so. More understated, but he's very good. He yeah. is. Yeah. He, he's, he's funnier, I think, like naturally funnier than Peyton just from watching this. Like he wants to take a few more ribs and a few more shots there. Like Peyton will do it. He'll get in on it. Like he's, he's certainly a funny guy himself, but. Eli added that aspect, not saying that he didn't add anything technically to the game, too. I thought his analysis was great, too. I really enjoyed watching it with them. I enjoyed when they brought other people on. Like, Russell Wilson was great. And uh, Peyton called him out immediately for, for beating the Colts uh, this week, which was great, which was fun, too, to, to, to hear them kind of go back and forth. And, of course, have Russell with the, uh, the, the ring that, that Sierra was wearing at the Met Gala. That uh, he's like, I, I want that ring, and uh, she's got it out there. It's a ring I wanted, but so it was good to to, to like to see old rivals and to to have some fun with them. It was like I thought it was very enjoyable, and I loved it. And like I said, if you can sit down and watch a game and like really invest yourself into it, I think you're going to learn a lot from listening to these guys. But like you said, Joe, it's just not something you could have on in the background. This is like an investable three hours that you're going to have to make if you really want to listen to these guys talk. Yeah, and, and they'd be perfect for, like, if it's a blowout to keep it the broadcast entertaining. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but that was just such a crazy game anyway. Like, oh my you gosh. could have had the most boring commentators up there yeah. and be like, what are the Raiders doing? And mm-hmm. they somehow end up winning. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, it was quite the uh, entertainment Monday night. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Let's uh, t- turn back to the Colts then and the Rams for this weekend. A good, <laughs> Got a good, good off tangent. Track there. No, that's okay. Good tangent there. They're talking about Peyton, but uh, the Rams are coming off that 34-14 win over the Bears in Week One. Matthew Stafford now leads the NFL after Week One in passer rating, 156.1, just a small point two away there from a perfect passer rating. And he's second to was, who? Does he number two? He's right, he's right above was. Russell Wilson is Russ. Yeah. Who, so, tor- who torts these guys. Great start for the Colts there against two of the best <laughs> best quarterbacks probably in, in in the league. And we all knew that coming into the year. The only good news is the Titans play the Seahawks this week after losing to the Cardinals. You so. see, this is the game that the Titans win. Like they, they go out and they 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 uh, how can I say this uh, and, and not get in trouble? They uh, they do not perform uh, adequately against teams that they, they play to their competition. Let's just say that they okay. they've done that like the past three years. It just seems like or however long it, it's even longer than Mike Mike Vrabel's been there to, to me. It's or or they have issues. Yeah. Or they or they have issues. Right. So the, I mean the, the the one silver line to come out of last week is that Tennessee lost bad at home, yeah. really bad. Which, Chandler Jones, I mean, no no one expects Jacksonville or Houston. <laughs> oh no, Chandler Jones. Oh no, Syracuse, Syracuse. University. <laughs> Thank you, Joe, for bringing it up. Way to go, Joe. See, I don't even have to bring it up. It just comes up naturally. Five sacks, two, three forced fumbles. Should have just let it go. So he's, Elite. On, he's on pace for what is it, 120 some sacks. Yeah, it was great. He had three sacks in the first uh, first right. quarter. I, I thought about tweeting. I don't because I hate this, but people are like Chandler Jones on pace for 205 sacks in this <laughs> NFL season. Like you know, that would have been like Bruce Smith's record right there for the entire career. So yeah, he had a heck of a game. Shout but, out. But that but that was a plus for the Colts. I mean, when yeah, you, it's it, it's it's not good that you're taking a positive away from someone else losing because. You've got to take care of your own business. You got to take what you can, Mike. And, and it could be the same this week. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's say Tennessee loses and the Colts get rolled. You just don't expect Jacksonville or Houston to be oh. in the discussion at the end of the year. If that happens, if, if both the Colts and Titans lose and Houston wins again, I, that that would be hilarious. I, I would laugh pretty hard with how bad everyone's been ragging on, including me and everyone. Everybody, everybody, everybody yeah. has. Yeah. 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 
Stafford, more numbers from him last week, 20 of 26, 321 yards, three touchdowns. We mentioned the big plays that they want to do. He had touchdown passes of 67 and 56 yards, and it certainly helps when you're just sacked once and only had four quarterback hits, much different than uh, the Colts, where Carson Wentz was pressured 14 times, which was the second most in the NFL out of everybody. Um, Wentz coming to, to Indy thinks he finally has an offensive line in front of him to throw with. That was not the case. That was a lie, uh, as they say. So um, the offense likes to go big plays. Uh, Rams had the number one defense back in 2020 in both yards and points allowed, and they certainly were not very kind to Andy Dalton in the Bears' offense on Sunday. Um, 216 passing yards on 40 attempts, which is a dreadful 5.4 yards per attempt, and and had three sacks there of Dalton, uh, one of them courtesy uh, of Aaron Donald. So uh, this is a defense. Again, this is another stat that, that I heard from from Matt Taylor of, of Colts Broadcasting. Under Sean McVay, they are 38-0 and when they hold a halftime lead. 38-0. and So the Colts, which struggle in the first half up against the Rams, who, if they have a halftime lead, do not lose under Sean McVay is not the best combination there. More scared, Mike, this weekend about the Rams' offense or the Rams' defense. What do you think is uh, their their maybe stronger unit that you're more concerned with as they come into Lucas Oil? Probably the offense, and if they, then if they get ahead, then it's the defense. Because <laughs> it could be both. You don't you don't want to get in pass mode against these guys. You just don't. That's not what Frank Reich wants anyway. But uh, I, I I just they're going to go bombs away, like I mentioned. They're they're going to take their shots. That's just what they do. That's what they wanted to do in the past with Goff, and they're going to do it with Stafford. He loves it. Oh, yeah. he, you know, he, he's a numbers guy. I mean, not, not, not that he seeks numbers, but he's got the numbers. So if the back end of the, if you don't pressure him and, and, and get him off his spot, he's going to take shots. And if you take enough of them, he only has to be right four or five times a game mm-hmm. on deep shots. Mm-hmm. So uh, this defense better get its act together real quick. Yeah, as long as they're disciplined, I will say a couple of the deep shots, like the one to Cooper Cup was a blown coverage, and then the one to Van Jefferson, he went to the ground and just no one touched him. Um, so, y- you know, they were still great deep shots, but as long as the Colts are disciplined, do what they're, don't blow a coverage, touch a guy when he's on the ground, um, that it, it, just do what you're supposed to do out there. It also, what what will be kind of under the microscope this weekend is just the the, the optics of Matthew Stafford coming to Indy where Carson Wentz is now the starter because so much talk was this offseason about the Colts getting a new needing a new quarterback, Stafford being dangled out there by the Lions, and it was the Rams that gave them the, uh, the deal that they were looking for, the deal they wanted to both get Jared Goff off their books um, and uh, get uh, three first-round picks. Uh, the Lions did, and a third-round pick uh, before sending sending Stafford out there. And so then I think they paid Stafford too, and then they paid him big. Uh, as, as so, like this, this was at least an opportunity for the Colts this offseason. They looked, like, at, they looked into it. Yes, they did, and and whether they, you know, the the price was was just too steep, and, and they yes. didn't they didn't have a Jared Golf right. to throw in there, right? So it didn't work, and 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 like we've said many times, and we'll be saying this for the next couple of years, at least or at least the next year. They've got to be right on Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. They simply have to be. Yeah, J- Joe, I don't like. I don't think any of us, and I don't think it is wise or no no 
sane football fan could really criticize the Colts for not matching the Rams' price. I don't because, think they could. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I don't think they could. Like, what do you want them to do? Give up six first-round picks and try to overcome it and then just not have a first-round pick until 2028? Like, that, that's just not going to happen, nor should it happen for a guy who's uh, in, his, er, in his early 30s and an important uh, piece to, to a franchise, no doubt. But it, it's, just, it's just not going to happen. It's not wise to do that for any player, no matter who it is. So No, it wasn't like they chose Winter. Overstep. Exactly. Like so. 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 I. I don't want to say that we're doing that. I don't want to say that we're criticizing the Colts. But. It, but it is something that is that is notable because it's something that was a possibility this offseason. If it did, even if it didn't come to that, so that he's going to come here and if he performs well, it's just like it's just going to be a dag gum if I can steal a line from Philip yeah. Rivers. Like this was at least a possibility. And uh, if the Colts fall to two and zero under it, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. I think to, if that happens to be a Colts fan to see Matthew Stafford, a guy that was kind of dangled out there, chap, uh, just uh, take your team to to the barn, so to speak. And and he's going to get his because he always he does. I think yeah. I think the Colts have played him three times. I think beat him last year. I pretty believe good. they're one yeah. and three mm-hmm. or one and two against him, two and one against him. In his worst games, like three twenty. That's he, what he does. That's what it's what he does. He, he at the end of his career, he's going to be like top. Five, top six in, in, in a lot of categories. I think he's top three for yards at least. The issue at with least. him has always been, always, is great numbers. Uh not you know, n- not not the winning record you, you want to think. Is he been to the playoffs once and he's never won a playoff I game, I once, believe I don't it think is. He won, yeah. Yeah, I think and, Caldwell. Was that with Caldwell? Yeah, I think I think, yeah, I think then so. they decide to fire Caldwell like the yeah. next year. But there, yeah, there's a great stat is. that I can never keep track of, but it's his record against teams that finish with their winning record. It's all. It, it's god awful. It's just awful. But I'm telling you, if you're not on point, he he will for, stress your defense. And like I said, if if the Rams get out to a lead, it's just going to complicate and compound the issues they have on offense because this team right now is not is not set up to get into a track meet with anybody. Yeah, just to Matthew Stafford passing yard. He's currently 16th all time with over 45,000. Um, I mean, if he has a crazy good year, he can move into top 10. I think Elway's sitting there with uh, 51,000. That'd be a lot. But, I mean, he, he, he's certainly going to finish top 10 easy. I mean, that's just one year, yeah, crying out loud. Exactly. He's, what, 32 years old, 33? So he, he's got five, six good years left. So that's that's at least 20,000 more yards. Uh, that That's on the conservative side of things. Is, is he one of the few guys with 5,000 yards? I think, yeah, I think he's... There's, o- there's only a handful of them. Uh-huh. He's one of them. And he's one of them. Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. I'm pulling up if he's done it multiple times. I didn't think so, but... I think Breeze has done it multiple times. Yeah. Oh, he's done it like three times. Did I Winston think. get in that group? Is Jameis Winston in the 5,000-yard group? <laughs> I think he is. Which interceptions is, you're talking about. No, okay. no not 5,000 interceptions, chap. No. <laughs> hey, how about his five touchdown performance against, against the, the Packers? Holy moly. Who, who knew all he needed was LASIK surgery? Listen, man. I, like I, I keep saying about Bjorn Werner. I know that's that's a swear word here in Indianapolis, but like I saw him in Tallahassee. I saw Jameis in Tallahassee. And, man, when that kid had time... On the field, he was lights out. He was so good. And Bruce Arians is, like, all respect to Bruce, that is a dangerous combination because Jameis likes to grip it and rip it. He needs a little bit more structure. That's what Jimbo gave him, Jimbo Fisher in Tallahassee. And if he has a little bit more structure with Sean Payton, I think I think that's a deadly combination. That could be really, really dangerous for a year to come. They, they are so come. much better, and it sounds terrible, they are so much better now with him than they, are, they were Drew Brees. 
And that's not a knock at Breeze. At the, at the end of his career, Breeze couldn't do right this. Mm-hmm. So I, now I want to see how, how this goes and, and can it continue. But I tell you, of all the and if, if this continues, he's going to get paid in the offseason. Did you right. find what you were looking for, Joe? Yeah, Matthew Stafford, uh, 2011, surpassed 5,000 yards. Next year, he had 4,967. So he's one flick of the wrist shy of multiple. <laughs> Let's turn our attention back to the Colts and the yes, Rams yes, as we're so. going down a, a, another rabbit hole there. A lot of rabbit holes Yes, we today. are. That's what we do on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. By the way, you can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for perhaps a little bit more focused attention on the Colts throughout the <laughs> week than, than we're giving you right now. And like I've said earlier, download, subscribe, get us delivered to your podcast listening device every week. Uh, wherever podcasts are, uh, probably we're exactly where you got it right now. So uh, the Rams did give up, you, you know, Joe, some yards on the ground against Chicago. David Montgomery in particular had a 100-yard day. Only 16 carries, so he averaged nearly seven yards per carry. That's that's obviously a number that the Colts got to be licking their chops at to try to get this run game off the ground where it did not get off the ground last week against the Seahawks. Yeah, and, and both their touchdowns were uh, on the ground, one of them with Justin Fields, so that one's a little funky. Um, but, but, you know, maybe Carson Wentz can do a little bootleg action near the goal line and take it himself if he needs to. So I, I think that's where the Colts need to focus in this game. Obviously, this is their focus in just about every game, but if they're going to win, they're going to have to run the ball because trying to outpass the Rams just isn't going to happen with Massey Stafford on the other side and going against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And and another rabbit hole can go down along that line is the running backs last week were were Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Mm -hmm. And they kept Jordan Wilkins up. No Marlon Mack, who, who was active, but or he, he was what he was inactive, right? No, he was he was active. He was active. active yeah. So I just wonder how much Marlon work Marlon Mack gets. I really do because he doesn't play special teams. So it's really going to be really hard to get him involved when you've got Taylor and Hines doing what they do. And I and I get them wanting to hold on to Mac because if Taylor goes down, Mac fills that role. Right, but barring injury, I don't see much for Mac, but. Somebody's going to get hurt because running backs get banged up. Yeah, I, I that was another point that I I would have made a, a lot. I think on Monday if I was here, like what, what, why didn't Marlon Mack get anything? There was a point in the third quarter where Jonathan Taylor had like nine carries for twenty two yards. I'm like, this is obviously not working. Why is Marlon Mack still standing on the sidelines? Like, I get if you want Jonathan Taylor to be your guy there. I get it completely. I get it if you want him to be the focus, even over Marlon Mack. But at that point in the game, where nothing's working on the ground, like I, it, just, it was just puzzling to me that he wasn't in there, just to see him standing on the sidelines. Give him a series. Like that—that's exactly what I thought. Like, and, and I'm not a coach, and and, and so I, 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 I say this like I want to say this humbly, like like Frank Reich knows better than me. But it was just puzzling to me that 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 Marlon Mack got nothing, zero, no snaps out there where Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines got everything. I thought Hines pre- played pretty well mm-hmm. in, in that first game. When he got his touches, he took advantage of them as much as he could. But just that we saw nothing from Marlon Mack was very surprising. Well, and if healthy, I'm surprised a team like Baltimore, who can't seem to keep the running backs on the field, hasn't called. Or that could be something, too. They have that in the works. They want him to stay healthy. So or they can showcase him. him and be yeah. like, he is yeah. healthy. Look, give us a... Yep. Whatever round pick. Because we really didn't see enough in preseason to say that he's all the way back. No, we didn't. He, I, I thought there were times he just looked a little hesitant mm-hmm. to, to plant and go. Uh, but we'll see how this, this is moving forward. But I just, 
I just wonder how much work he's going to get. Well, Joe, like you said, if we're going to our shifting to our keys to the game, establish the run has to be one of them. If the Rams struggled a bit against the run last week and the Colts are supposed to be one of the best running teams in the NFL, it didn't happen last week for sure. But that's something that you want to get back to. Um, it's something that if you're the offensive line for the Colts, uh, show that you have some pride and, and do a little bit better uh, out there. If you're Jonathan Taylor, show that you have a little bit of pride and do a little bit better out there against the Rams, a team that has shown that it can give up uh, some yards per carry. So uh, open up some holes. Uh, try to create some of those chunk plays from the run game. They don't all have to be Carson Wentz throwing the ball 40 yards downfield. Try to break one or two, for crying out loud. That's one reason that the coaches say that they've loved Jonathan Taylor, is that he can do that. He can get to the second level and go through the secondary. And he's not just going to get stopped for 10 yards if he breaks for, through a little bit. He might get stopped 40 yards down the field. So so get that running game going. Focus on that. You make a note here, Joe, the Colts were 10-2 and two when they rushed for over 100 yards last season, one in three otherwise. It's a very important stat for the success of this team. Yeah, and I maybe that's their thinking with Jonathan Taylor, why they kept going to him, is we need to get this guy going if we're going to win. And and we saw it last year. Once JT got going, this team and this offense was just different. It just was. So this is definitely a tough matchup to do it against, but we saw the Bears run well. Last week, uh, David Montgomery looked great breaking tackles. That's what the Colts need out of Jonathan Taylor Sunday. I think I think this coaching staff is going to frustrate you to no end, Dave. <laughs> I know. Because I, I, I'm serious. I, I think they're going to be very, very stubborn mm-hmm. with Jonathan Taylor, if that's the right word. I, I think they're committed to getting him 20, 20 touches or 20 attempts at a game, mm-hmm. and that's going to include perhaps – some lulls like they had against uh, Seattle, but you may have to live with that. I, I'll, I'll have to, and, and woe is me. I'll be able to, and they're, they're not going to shed a tear over me having, having to live with their choices. I can tell you that for sure. When I would have to say, I think, in my opinion, it's pretty clear he's their best player on offense, offensive line aside. Like, I, I don't really think there's anyone even close to He might be the second best player, including the offensive line. Yeah. Behind when you talk behind Quentin, I mean who, who, Kelly who, and Smith are both very good, but, but but they're not. And again, he he was the best player in training camp. Uh, he and Bobby Okariki. So, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna really test his kids' uh, durability. I really think they are, and they need almost more now. As as long as you can't protect the quarterback, you have got to, you got to do something well. You do, and if you can't throw the ball down the field. You've, you've got to get the running game going, but when you can't throw the ball down the field, it makes it harder to run the ball. Well, let's get to that other key that you have here, protect Carson Wentz, which, again, did not happen in week one. These two things that seem to be really focused on the offensive line in, in these keys, and deservedly so after the performance they showed against the Seahawks. As I mentioned, Carson Wentz, the second most pressured quarterback in week one. Give him just some time to, to find some receivers uh, the Colts, I, I think Frank Reich said they had some stuff dialed up, or Marcus Brady said this week they had some stuff dialed up downfield. They just couldn't pull the trigger. Well, it, it's hard to pull the trigger when you're running for your life in, in the backfield. So uh, we, we've said that that's one thing Carson can do well is, is evade the rush and buy some time and look downfield and make something happen. But it was it was just a bridge too far, I thought, this last week. There was pressure from, from too many angles coming at him, and, um, and and it just never materialized. Like we said, their, the longest target down the field was Paris Campbell, 24 yards. So um, I, I'd like to see them try to try to hit at least one, try, try to throw a bomb sometime, uh, see what you can get, uh, if, if anything, down the field. But that's not going to happen, chap, if, if, if Carson Wentz is uh, under pressure four 
14 times again this week. Yeah, they, the, the the official book had him with 10 quarterback hits. Mm-hmm. Those guys must have missed a few plays. Yeah, I thought so, too. Uh, and, and more troubling to me than, than the hits were the, the level of the hits. There were I, I mentioned in the story on for Sunday that there were some knockout shots. There just were where he got planted. Uh, and again, the big the big fourth and what was yeah, the fourth the and one, one where Braden Smith got run over got there, run over, which you hardly ever see with no, him. You that, don't, that, you that don't. was his worst game. His foot had to be hurting at that. I point. think it, it could very was. well be. Yeah, I'll give him that. Or maybe this is where he got hurt on what whatever. Yeah. yeah, but you've got to have your quarterback get, give him a second and a half to at least look for a second read if he has to. But the the one plus for for, for Wentz is with all the pressure, no interceptions. At least he didn't compound matters, uh, making it worse w- with some bonehead interceptions. So, but you know, at some point, like we've talked to and we will moving forward, they've got to—I don't want to say be more aggressive, but they've got to find ways, creative ways, to get the ball down the field. I want to see a jump ball to Michael Pittman Jr. Can we get a jump ball to our six-foot-four wide receiver? I'd love it. I mean, if no one's—I get the whole point of Frank Wright's offense is to create space mm-hmm. for the wide receivers. But if that space isn't there, use what you got. And Michael Pittman Jr. has got size. I'd say just so long as he's not being guarded by Jalen Ramsey. Because no. if you're looking at the best cornerback in the NFL, if it's not Ramsey, he's not too far behind. And, and like you said, Ramsey most of the time will be playing more near the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. inside if Michael Pittman Jr. is on the outside. Yep. And the Rams lost some defensive backs. They lost uh, good safety in John Johnson. They lost cornerback Troy Hill. Uh, this was over the off season, so uh, you know attack the places of the field where the defensive best players aren't. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely. Last uh, last key that you have here: limit big plays, which again, some of the Colts did not do uh, against the Seahawks. So Joe, Joe just putting the uh, the the microscope right over all the uh, all the insufficiencies of the Colts Week One. Like, how did they lose in Week One? Well, well don't do uh, these things. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, it's not it's not rocket science, right? It's not rocket surgery, as, as someone famously said <laughs> one time. Um, but uh, limit the big plays. The Colts allowed five plays of twenty plus yards to the Seahawks. Obviously, the worst of them was the one to Tyler Lockett right before the half, which Joe notes can't happen. Obviously, because I, like that's the worst time for it to happen because the Seahawks get the ball at the start of the second half. It's like it's a possible fourteen point swing now the defense stepped up at the start of the second half props to them but you let a team score you know right before the half and then come out the second half and that, that was just and on second and 20 like that play like I saw the ball go up and then I looked downfield you can see chap I'm sure you did too see Lockett streaking right in between Kari Willis and Julian Blackman I'm like oh geez are you kidding me right here like that That's was where you want to say drop it yeah and you, know, and you know he's not going <laughs> exactly. to exactly like, please drop it. There's like a 0.2% chance that, that would ever happen. But that was a, just a disastrous play. That was completely deflating to the, to the stadium and, at that and, point. And the when, they, when Frank has this, this checklist of the gauges of winning and losing, one of them obviously is turnovers. Did you win the turnover? Battle? But it's also, did you win the, the chunk play battle? Did you have more than you gave up? Because that, the other team's going to make some, but you have to make some. And they, they, that, that's another one they lost pretty big. You cannot keep doing that because you're facing quarterbacks now this year as opposed to last year that are going to make plays. Joe, were you going to say something? I mean, I'm nothing, just beating, nothing too much more. beating a dead horse <laughs> yeah. here, but no. that play just completely changed the course of the game because you think about how much better the defense played in the second half. If that one extra touchdown that was completely avoidable wasn't there, maybe ta- Frank takes in the, a couple field goals. or you know, There's just so many points in that game where it's like, man, if the Colts weren't down by as much as they're down, this game could be could go completely different but 
you could say that about just about any game. Well, as we look forward to this weekend, Colts, Rams, 1 o'clock, broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59. Inside Lucas Oil Stadium, FanDuel has the Colts listed as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Certainly, Colts did not cover the line in week one, as the Seahawks were, I think, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Over-under listed at 47-and-a-half on FanDuel again. So uh, the site is looking for right about a uh, 26-23, right around then, 25-22 uh, ball game uh, for uh, the Rams. That's what uh, FanDuel is saying. I'm going to start this one, and then uh, we'll, we'll go around to, to Joe and Chap. I, I'm going to be the surprise this week and be give the homer pick. Like I do like the Colts in this game. As much as I have, I've kind of ragged on them, I think, today over the last 45 <laughs> minutes to an have. hour. We have, just for, for, for good reason. They, they deserve it after we'll, what happened. We'll be giving one. you a urine test when this exactly, podcast yes. is over. Yes. Dave Griffiths has been suspended by the Colts Blue Zone for a <laughs> violation of, uh, of team rules, so to speak. But, um, no, I, I, I really I think that... I don't know. Maybe it's the optimistic side of me that's just like rearing its uh, can can be ugly head. But I think that some things line up well for the Colts in this game. Like you guys were put on blast week one. Some positions that were supposed to be good were put on blast week one. And, and I kind of like when that happens because oftentimes, as it should, those guys respond. And I think the offensive line does better. I think it's going to be great to have Eric Fisher out there. Like that, you still don't have T.Y. Hilton. I'll bring up the stat now that the Colts all time without T.Y. <laughs> Hilton are, are, are one in eleven. Like, I'll, I'll bring it up every week. That's gonna be a crazy stat after he retires. I know, <laughs> for real, like insane. And that that that's the only that that's the biggest thing that gives me pause. People are like, "Well, Ty's older, blah blah blah," but I, he really is important. He's really important for to, for this offense. He I really think he role. is. Yeah, but but anyway, like that that aside, I, I I like how the Colts come into this game. As like you guys need to prove this, like as they are, they are on notice, so to speak. So I think that that's a, a position that they could thrive in. I think that's a position that that uh, some of the defensive leaders, Darius Leonard, uh, DeForest Buckner, will will take note of. Um, uh, and I, I I like the Colts for some reason this week, uh, and it's hard for me exactly to put my put my finger on it. But I think that they get the win here. Maybe the the Rams. I think they might be feeling a little full of themselves after what happened to, over the Bears in Week One. So I, I like the Colts. I think the final score. I'll, I'll give them a I'll give them a twenty seven to twenty. I'll give them a touchdown victory uh, at home at Lucas Oil Stadium and uh, get them uh, to one and one on the season. I know, I know why you're feeling it, and that, that'll be flushed from your system in a couple of days. Yes, it probably will be. <laughs> I yeah, I can't. I I went last week for a lot of reasons, gut and all that. I, I just thought they'd break the the O for opening day streak. Uh, I can't do it again. I I I do think that they're they're going to play better because I think I think they, they they their their pride was damaged as it should have been. I'm looking 31-23 Rams, only only because again I just. I don't. I just like the way Stafford will stretch the field. I I just do, and until this this secondary shows me that they can can hold up against this because they're going to be they're going to be tested. And on top of that, I just don't know what this offense can do with this line in, in, in disarray, if that's the best word. Because you're going to have Eric Fisher playing probably his first game. Quentin Nelson's probably. Might play, probably plays with limited practice and right tackle. You know who? Maybe maybe Ryan Dean can come back and play right tackle. Give but I, I just I understand your 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 points. 
I just don't like the way this is health-wise and, and what the Colts have going against them now. How crazy is it that we're talking about, uh, you're talking about testing the secondary, not being sure back there, and we're not mentioning Rocky Scene's name, for crying out loud. It's it's the safeties right now. He had right. a fine game week one, by the way. Nobody's yeah. talking about Rock, which, great for him. I, I'll, I'll mention his name right now and say, shout out to you. Like, I, I didn't say your name once on Sunday. I and and that's a good thing. It's a great thing. When you thing. don't talk about a cornerback, it's a good a thing. A great thing that we didn't mention his name. We were mentioning Kari and Julian back, back there, and but uh, we did not mention Rock. That'd be great to see it again. Joe, what's your prediction for this weekend? Rock stepped up last week. Probably still won't have Xavier Rhodes this week. Right, exactly. That too. A lot of questions on the defensive end, and, and that's not even considering all the injuries with the you know, practice port the way it is. I do think the Colts are going to play a lot better. I'm still going to take the Rams 30 to 24. Um, and 24 was rough because I'm like, Frank Craig doesn't like kicking field goals. Do I give him the, the field goal there? But I will. Uh, 30 to 24 Rams. Um, and I, I think this team's going to play a lot better, but I think it's going to take some time before they kind of gel together. They had no time to gel over the offseason. Uh, there's a lot of new parts at very important positions quarterback left tackle defensive end um and then disarray is the word that uh chapel used for the offensive line that's never a good word for an offensive line so i gotta go with the rams in this one uh oh and two for the colts i hope the titans also start oh and two and uh you know if this is the worst division in football this year and the colts win it i i still would be happy. Here's a quick note about 0-2. I think it's it's going to be a little bit easier to make the playoffs since it's a 17-game season, so you get a little bit more chance. It's not going to be like the 10-11%, which it has been in the past, but that's going to be something that we, we won't know for like 10 years exactly what the new chances are right now. But uh, yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit higher than an 11% chance. Yeah, that's if you the, go the expanded playoffs, too. Right, that too. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So it's, it's both. Yeah. We'll have to so, see what the long-term yeah. effects of the uh, expanded playoffs yeah. and season are. No but. doubt. No doubt. So 0 and 2, not the disaster it used to be, but certainly not where you want to be. It, it would be it would be better to be looking up at the Texans 2 and 0 than the Titans 2 and 0. I think though, I think everyone will take that. And I will say, if the Colts, you know, just trying to look at glass half full here, if this Colts start 0 and 2 and we're again sitting here next week, like Carson Wentz wasn't the problem. I think that is in some way a win in itself because if you're if they can, I think over the course of the season they can get the rest of the team correct together. As, but the biggest question mark coming in was always Carson Wentz. And if the Colts can get, get good Carson Wentz, I think in the long term, things will be good. Just as long as he doesn't get broken in half before that. Yeah. I think we can all be on the same page well, there. That's keep it. their first round pick. That's it for this week's Colts Blue Zone podcast. We uh, hope you enjoy the weekend. We hope Colts fans certainly enjoy the weekend. As the Rams come to town, one final time as a reminder, 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon, broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59. And we hope you join us on Sunday morning at 11.30 a.m. over on CBS 4 for the Blue Zone pregame show, we'll, we'll, we, where we will have a one-on-one -on -one with Edger and James as he and Peyton Manning come to Indianapolis to ha have their uh, Hall of Fame rings presented to them. So we hope you enjoyed this show. For Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths, and we will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.